Hello, and welcome back to 90.5 WESA's Good Question podcast. I'm series producer Katie Blackley. Thanks for joining us. In this episode, buckle up and roll down the windows. We'll be taking the scenic route through some of Pittsburgh's roads and bridges to learn how they helped shape our region. Why are there colorful seals on the 40th Street Bridge? What are those stone structures along Allegheny River Boulevard? But first... Why is it so difficult to get to Edgewood from the Hamnet Busway Station? After the break, we'll look at the design and construction of the East Busway. Stay with us. WESA's Good Question podcast is made possible with support from Baum Boulevard Automotive, Eisler Landscapes, and the CPA firm Sisterson & Company. Welcome back. Good Question asker Jay Walker sometimes takes the East Busway to his friend's house in Edgewood at Hamnet Station. And ever since I started going there, it's been very difficult to get on the bus, get off the bus quickly, and just go into his neighborhood. Why is it so difficult to get to Edgewood from the Hamnet Busway Station? The answer to Walker's question is woven into the history of the busway. Its story begins in the 1950s with the creation of the Port Authority of Allegheny County, which was just renamed Pittsburgh Regional Transit, or PRT. One of the agency's first initiatives included the construction of two busways, one in the south and one in the east. The South Busway, from the south side to Overbrook, opened first in the late 70s. This was a big deal. It was one of the first bus rapid transit systems in the country. Former Pittsburgh transportation reporter Joe Grata says when it came to finding a location for the East Busway, the agency seized an opportunity with some land that was already being used for transit. So they share that basically with a railroad, although the railroad's separate and Port Authority now has the ownership of what's really the East Busway right away. Railroads weren't doing well in the 1960s, and the four tracks that ran through the heart of Pittsburgh were no exception. They sat on what's called a right-of-way. Private rail companies own the land, which cut through city property. Grata says PRT offered to buy the right-of-way from the government, who owned the railroad at the time. But it wasn't easy. It took years for them to finally uh, come to some agreement with the railroad as to uh, the right-of-way. Two of the four train tracks were converted to a concrete road for the East Busway. As a precaution against derailments, the busway was elevated. It was also widened in some areas to create a bypass lane for express service. Former PRT program manager Fred Mergner says when the 6.8-mile busway opened in 1983, it was an immediate success. And it used to take almost an hour to get to Wilkinsburg, and you could get there in 15 minutes. Thousands crowded the busway vehicles. Riders loaded at six stations from downtown to Wilkinsburg. Riding on the busway's popularity, PRT proposed an extension into the eastern boroughs of Edgewood, Swissvale, and Rankin. Joe Grata says borough leadership at the time was hesitant to get on board. Were these communities welcoming? Uh, Not always. Not everybody. There was a public dispute between PRT and borough leadership over the extension. Patricia Schaefer sits on Edgewood Borough Council and says the eastern boroughs were watching the success of the new T route through the city's southern neighborhoods. The eastern corridor really believed that it would be advantageous to all of the communities to have light rail. These boroughs were frustrated that they weren't getting what they considered the same investment as those in the south. Some people were opposed for other reasons. Noise, air quality, car and pedestrian traffic around the stations. But for Schaefer, it was always about the light rail. 
After a long public debate, PRT and borough leadership came to an agreement. There would not be light rail, but the possibility of its eventual construction would remain in Edgewood's contract. But there's still no station leading to Edgewood, which is what our listener Jay Walker encountered when he got off at Hamnet Station. It takes like a few minutes to get from Edgewood to the bus stop, even though it's right next to the bus stop. Unlike most bus stops that have access from both inbound and outbound, Hamnet only has an inbound exit. Outbound riders have to walk through a pedestrian tunnel and cross the busway to get to their stop. PRT says that's a result of the right-of-way being too thin for two stops. Still, the busway is used by thousands of commuters every day. It's a simple technology, but considering all the local buses that feed into the system, it's far-reaching. Coming up after the break, we'll get off the bus and onto the 40th Street Bridge to learn why colorful seals line the railings. WESA's Good Question podcast is made possible with support from Eisler Landscapes, the CPA firm Sisterson & Company, and Baum Boulevard Automotive. The 40th Street Bridge connecting Pittsburgh's Lawrenceville neighborhood with the borough of Millvale is unlike the rest of the city's more than 460 bridges. The three light blue arches supporting the 40th Street Bridge appear to bounce across the Allegheny River. On the concrete deck above, drivers, runners, and cyclists make their way back and forth from Route 28 to Lawrenceville. Listener April Fridges crosses this bridge a lot and says she was intrigued by the colorful seals fixed to the railings. We are a city of bridges, and I feel like a lot of our bridges aren't hand-painted as intricately as that bridge is. I noticed that the seals tend to be states, and I noticed a lot of the states repeated. Listener Alexis Jabor noticed the seals while stuck in traffic earlier this summer. And I just kind of looked out at the river and suddenly saw something on the side of the bridge and said, does that say New Hampshire? These 14 seals, or shields, are a tribute to American colonial history, according to Lawrenceville Historical Society's Jim Woodarchick. They represent the first 13 colonies of the United States and the seal of Allegheny County. And they're repeated constantly. There are 292 of these shields. Since their installation, the shields have been restored several times. They were first painted in 1976, the country's bicentennial, and then again in 2003. And their nod to American history is purposeful. The span's official name is the Washington Crossing Bridge. In addition to the name, it includes another salute to the country's first president. On each corner of the bridge on both sides of the river are miniature Washington monuments. The 2,300-foot bridge was conceived just after World War I, when industrial and business leaders needed an efficient, sturdy route to get to and from Pittsburgh's northern suburbs and the eastern neighborhoods. A nearby bridge, the Ewaltz Bridge, wasn't up to the task, mostly because it was made of wood. It was subject to fire. There were actually several fires in it. Uh, It was not geared for automobile traffic, and it was a toll bridge. Back then, most bridges were built and financed by private companies, often through toll collection. It wasn't until after World War I that Allegheny County decided to buy all the region's toll bridges and make them free. The 1920s and 30s were the golden age of infrastructure design and construction in the county, and officials were designing bridges to be beautiful. They want them to be aesthetically appealing to the public because we're using public funds, and they are to be durable. The county hired a hotshot architect named Benno Jansen. He had previously designed the Pittsburgh Athletic Association Club in Oakland, the William Penn Hotel downtown, and a handful of stately homes in Sewickley Heights and Fox Chapel. He designed the bridge to be three lanes, one each way and one for a streetcar. 
and made sure its arches were high off the river to accommodate boat traffic. Lawrenceville Historical Society President Tom Powers says when the bridge opened, there was a parade for several miles. This was uh, made to be not just another bridge, but you know, making a historical statement. And they glommed on the fact that this is supposedly where uh, George Washington crossed the uh, river. Washington's crossing is highly controversial among local historians. Some say it was farther up the river. Some say it was closer to downtown. And crossed isn't exactly accurate either. By most accounts, Washington nearly drowned in the Allegheny. Of course, he didn't, and the bridge is just one of many tributes in Pittsburgh to the first president. Bridges and roadways connect us to each other, especially here in the city. They help us reach new places in what's often a difficult topography. Our final story today is about Allegheny River Boulevard, a roadway created to be the perfect Sunday drive. Stay with us. WESA's Good Question podcast is made possible with support from the CPA firm Sisterson & Company, Baum Boulevard Automotive, and Eisler Landscapes. Good Question asker Melanie Apollo has lived in Penn Hills for about 12 years. When she drives along Allegheny River Boulevard, she always notices a formation between Nadine and Sandy Creek Roads near the entrance to Penn Hills. It looks almost like an old fort. It's a beautiful stone structure, but there's no indication of what it is. There are actually several of these structures along Allegheny River Boulevard, and they catch the eyes of drivers because they really do appear out of place along an otherwise normal roadway. According to Oakmont Historical Society's Gary Rogers, their origins date to the beginning of the boulevard's construction in 1926. Pittsburgh residents and new suburbanites loved automobiles and took any opportunity to drive them. The culture was changing, so they needed a highway to get into the city. The county had money to build four new boulevards, Mossside through Monroeville, Sawmill Run through the South Hills, Ohio River along that river's eastern bank, and Allegheny River from Highland Park to Oakmont. However, when they proposed it, it was called Riverside Drive. As far as road construction goes, it didn't take long to construct Mossside, Sawmill Run, and Ohio River boulevards. But Allegheny River Boulevard was a different story. The road was designed to run along the river next to a railroad, but crews had trouble with the path's topography. Rogers says they considered tunneling through some hillsides, but ultimately decided to try and cut away the land. They had so many landslides while they were building it that delayed the project. So that was a constant problem. Then there was the issue of land ownership. Adam Prince blogs about infrastructure in southwestern Pennsylvania. He says most of Allegheny River Boulevard's construction went as planned until workers came across some land by Nadine Road. The Pennsylvania Water Commission owned the 1,300 feet needed to complete the link between Pittsburgh and its northeastern suburbs. Three years of lawsuits ensued. And it was pretty much a political joke or a joke within the the papers that was known as Blunder or Bungle Boulevard. Finally, thanks to a bill from the governor, the land rights were granted. Prince says the news was received with a bit of sarcasm. Editorial boards of the papers basically said an old reliable item will be missed by newspaper readers, and it was about the bottleneck at Nadine and and the completion of the highway. At the time the boulevard was constructed, Gary Rogers says the Allegheny River was dotted with industry, and the smoke and railroads made it hard to enjoy the scenic views. So even though we lived near the rivers, we couldn't really see them, you know, because they were blocked. So engineers designed observational turnouts, green spaces, often with raised stone platforms, Families would drive to the turnoff, walk up a set of steps, and spend the afternoon looking out at the river. Then you would park there and have a picnic and enjoy the river view. And and so it was was an experience to, to come out this boulevard. 
Listener Patricia Wilson remembers these platforms from her childhood. Unfortunately, now they're no longer available to pull over and get out of your car. But when I was a little girl, they were. The pull-offs are overgrown and barriers have been erected to stop traffic from entering. But most of the original stone is still there. And at least one water fountain remains near the border with Penn Hills. And that's not the only ornate detail of the boulevard. Concrete towers called pylons were placed as gateways to towns. These two in in Verona are still intact. They're still in good condition. As you come up, it says Oakmont, Verona, and it's lit up. Allegheny River Boulevard represents a different attitude toward county roadway construction. It was a time when driving was considered an experience that was more than just a trip from one place to another. What's your favorite scenic drive around Pittsburgh? I like the ride up P.J. McArdle Roadway from the south side to Mount Washington. The trip slowly reveals more and more of the downtown skyline. Let us know your favorite on social media. We're 905WESA on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm Katie Blackley. Thanks for listening. Stay curious.